During the 60s, many Mission District youth found themselves struggling to survive. At that time, there were not many youth services set up within the city. In 1965, Horizons Unlimited began providing services to the Mission District youth and helped to establish other agencies as the War on Poverty funding began to trickle into impoverished neighborhoods throughout the country in 1964. In this extra episode of the Rama Blueprints podcast, we hear from Dr. Ricardo Carrillo and Arturo Carrillo, both born and raised in San Francisco's Mission District. The Carrillo brothers talk about their upbringing and how they were raised within the community village and healed through the transformative practice of the arts they are an early example of program kids, youth who heavily relied upon services to survive and develop into thriving adults. As adults and professionals, both would eventually work with BRAP, Dr. Ricardo Carrillo as a licensed therapist and Arturo as a program director at Walden House who built deep bonds with BRAP. Walden House served as an anchor for substance abuse referrals and services and provided BRAP with various resources for camping trips for youth and young adults. The brothers' stories of sangre, corazón, resilience, and self-determination paved their path from a troubled, humble beginning to a life dedicated as social justice warriors in the 1970s. Good afternoon. We are with Arturo Carrillo and Ricardo Carrillo. First of all, thank you both for being with us today. Well, thank you for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to hang out with homies. We go way back. That's for sure. I don't think any of us live in the mission anymore. I live in Pacifica, so it's far removed from my roots there. But let me say, my name is Ricardo Antonio Enrique Carrillo Chavez Santiesteban. But I thought my name was pendejo, estupido, (laughs) baboso, sirves para nada. My brother and I were both raised in a very domestically violent, chemically dependent household. My father was a miner from Noelle, Sonora, who uh, worked the mines, and then he migrated on the railroads. He was a maintenance worker on the railroads, met my mother in El Paso, Texas, and uh, they ended up in San Francisco. That's where the Mm. railroad ended in Oakland. So we were raised in the mission, started living on 20th and Bryant, moved all over 14th and uh, Harrison, where he got flooded out, grew up in around the high school time, 22nd in Florida. We all went to Catholic school. My mother wanted to make sure that we didn't get caught up in all the barrio stuff that was going on. So we went to St. Charles and the girls went to St. Peter's. I was a uh, Horizons kid. Mm. So this is kind of an interesting perspective because I remember we lived down the block from Rap. Rap started on 23rd and Florida in a little garage place that they had a pool table in there. Jimmy Queen was there. And Roberto Hernandez was there. Sam Ruiz hung out there. And I hung out at uh, Horizons Unlimited because we, for a while, lived right around the corner from Roberto Vargas. And Roberto Vargas was known as Hippie Bob in those days. Mm-hmm. And so Arturo said, hey, man, you got to go meet Hippie Bob. Roberto Vargas was a poet doing naked poetry readings in North Beach and uh, hanging out with Lawrence Ferlinghetti and those poets, the beatnik era and all that stuff. And we met and he says, well, what do you, what do you like doing, man? I said, I, I don't do anything. I go to school and I come home and I cook and I clean. And, uh, my father had been murdered by that time now a number mm. of different years. He died when I was nine or two to seven. He got murdered over a drug deal. 
and we were left homeless. And so I was the oldest, so I was the uh, parentified child. My mom worked two or three jobs and, you know, had to do that. But Roberto noticed that I was learning how to play the guitar a little bit. And he said, well, why don't you come and hang out with some other people that, that play music too? Maybe you'll enjoy doing that. So I entered the world of Horizons Unlimited, where we did, did meet a lot of young people, youth that were, you know, doing all kinds of different things. It was a high school dropout prevention program. That's yeah. our first real formal community mm -hmm. involvement. We learned about community agencies because we were homeless and we had Red Cross and we had Sisters of Mercy and Sisters, Holy Cross Sisters helping us. But the reality of the fact is we came into the community that way through Horizons Unlimited, and we started the first Brown Beret chapter there. So, you know, remember, the Mission District was a hotbed, hotbed yeah. yeah. of political activity. Model Cities was going on at that time. The Brown Berets were starting. The Black Panther Party was feeding children and taking care of their elders and arming themselves. Nothing has changed in terms of police brutality and people dying at the hands of law enforcement officers. So it's taken how many years now since the early yeah. 60s, and we're still dealing with the same kinds of things, right. but there was political activism. So we were, we were part of that incredible experience of political activism and challenging old values and mores and raising things like homelessness and, and poverty and people starving. So we were blessed to be living at a time when all that stuff was going on. But the beauty of it is that the community stepped up when we were homeless and by ourselves. The, the people I work for today, San Francisco Comprehensive Crisis Services Program, offers burial services to every single family in the city of San Francisco. Wow. You carry black, brown, white, but it doesn't matter if you need the resources, she's going to pay eight to $10,000 out of the city budget for that. We didn't have that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't happening when, when my father died. The, the beauty of it is that those of us that are involved still have the capacity of being able to know where things have changed, things need to grow. And the fact I'm a licensed psychologist and I work with the police department is a tribute to my being accepted by the police department as an ex-addict, as an ex-con, and as a community member, because I'm from the community. Later on, as a psychologist, I supervised clinical staff at Carecet. So I've seen and tracked the youth involvement, gang development. I've also been part of National Compadres Network, National Latino Alliance for the Elimination of Domestic Violence. So all of the gang banging experts in the country were all colleagues and we use each other. Akil Bashir from Los Angeles oh, yeah. that we routinely bring up here, Jerry Deo, Homies, Alex Sanchez, uh, Nani Alejandres, Barrios right. Unidos, mm -hmm. you know, of course, Ray here in town, and then whoever's uh, done the, the gang work. So we kind of get called in to talk because I'm the trauma specialist. And my contribution to anything having to do with rap had to do because of Ray Balboron coming to me and saying, we got these kids that are at risk. We need to, for you to do a psyche right, right. and to help us out with I that. Remember. And that's how I was involved with rap. So Arturo Carrillo is with us too. He's your younger right. brother. Arturo, I know he gave us a little perspective of what the mission was like. Talk to us a little bit about how you got connected, Arturo. 
Yeah. So on my end, my story is the same, except it's a little different in the sense that when I was in the ninth grade at Sacred Heart, the strike at SF State started and the Black Panther Party came and the Brown Berets started. And I was the follower. I was the younger brother, Jason Ricardo and all the these leaders. Right. And I wanted to become a revolutionist and go to Cuba and cut sugarcane and learn the ways Mm. of the revolution. But I dropped out of the ninth grade at Sacred Heart. I told the vice principal to go frick himself and walked out the door. My mother gave me the chancla and sent me to Horace Mann. And I did a drive-by mission high. And I chased this girl, Dorothy Bean, who's uh, Richard Bean's sister, you know, suavecito, mi linda, you know. <laughs> and I ended up doing the rumbas at Dolores Park. And that's where I graduated, you know. Mm. Needless to say, I, I developed a real serious drug problem, right? Mm. And... Uh, 15 to 21, in and out of the county jail, on my way to prison. And I was fortunate to end up at Walden House, right? At 21 years old. That was my path of changing my life was getting recovery from being a heroin addict. And there I started, you know, being from the mission and doing my program, you know, so they were like doing their thing. And we dealt with the hippie kids from the hate. And there wasn't a lot of la cultura that was there, you know? so. Uh, fast forward into Walden House, there was this guy who came to our door and I didn't have a bed for him, right? His name was Ernesto Salazar and I didn't have a bed for him. And what he said, you know what, who's the, who's your director? Who's your executive director? So he made an appointment with Alfonso Pio Acompora, right? Oh, yeah. He had a, a meeting with him. And next thing he did was march into my office and said, you is going to give this guy a bed. I don't care if he's got to sleep on the floor, right? And that was the beginning of something magical because as he went through treatment, he brought into how come there isn't any a Latino group and why isn't there culturally relevant services and how are you going to give back to the community? And that opened up Alfonso's eyes to say, hey, you know what? I want to start a print shop. So how, how do I do that? Oh, let's hire Chewy Campasano and That's then Renee right. Castro. And then we did, let's open up Proyecto Ayuda. So, you know, so here we are, Walden House is doing all this. We're trying to be culturally relevant. I'm at Walden House or Health Right 360 now. I'm at 45 years providing services to the community. You know, I had to go through therapy and had to learn how to heal. And I, I found that uh, drum circle facilitation with Dr. Sal Nunez and got oh, trained yeah. from him, you know, to really give back to the community from a, a medicinal perspective. You know, not to mention the National Compadres Network and having sweats and retiros and community meetings with the men's group, all of us giving back to each other. It's a powerful, you know, that old saying, la cultura cura. It's so important because that's something that all of us do to give back to the community. It's been an honor to have been part of this, part of the rap family. You know, Mm -hmm. I get kind of like plugged in. It's an (laughs) honor to be part of that, you know. Dr. Carrillo. Can you reflect upon rap's approach and how it influenced you and your work? Jimmy Queen had never saw negativity, never saw criminality. He hated oppositional defiant disorder, those diagnoses, attention deficit disorder, oppositional, because he said they, they're just kids. They're just kids. And most of the kids, and we knew that from our own life experience, were raised in single parent homes and people were broke. And there was a lot of sexual molestation that happened. There was a lot of trauma and domestic violence and people moving in and out. But he always saw everyone as pure, as innocent, and as children that needed 
and this is a current ter psychological term, a secure attachment. He always knew, him and Esperanza always knew that people, especially kids, needed a secure attachment because they didn't have it at home. So where were they going to learn these concepts? I see you, I understand you, and I got you. I got you back. I'm going to take care of you. Because that's what rap did. That's what I remember about Jimmy. And every time any of us have ever had any conferences, youth empowerment, social activism, and that's where I think that the, that rootedness of turn these young people into social activists came. Mm. And that's what differentiates the mission from anybody else. And so that's that social activism that help, empowers young people to have a voice, to sing, to rap, to dance, to play, to, you know, to, to pursue. How many PhDs we got now? We got a whole bunch of us Oh, now. yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're all ex-bangers, all ex-cons, all published authors. So I think the roots of that definitely were uh, Roberto Vargas and uh, Jimmy Queen and Esperanza. But I'll tell you, my lessons learned is I work mental health. And the core issue of anyone coming to treatment or needing assistance is we have resilience. We have the ability to come up, you know, the, we're the phoenix, right? Rise from the ashes. And so what we've got now is roots. In Mexico, we say when you're traumatized, you have susto. Susto means loss of the soul, right? loss of the spirit. You're disconnected. We learned who we were in the mission district. Mm. And even though we were beaten, denigrated, and discriminated against, we learned to love ourselves. And we learned to love each other. My mother raised five kids alone, married three different domestically violent, chemically dependent men. And when she died, we learned how to be a normal family. We learned to take care of her. We learned to take care of my sister, her husband and her, her son, my nephew because they were the caretaker. So my brother and I would give them respite care for six months and she died. But we all, we all found a way to care for each other, support each other and love each other. And that's what my mother did. She brought us all together and said to us, I'm proud of you. I'm proud that you help other people. Mm. I'm proud that you have children that are proud of you. And ultimately, a home that was chaotic, crazy, drug-dependent, frightened of homicide and suicide, ended up being a loving, warm household. And that's what the Mission District is. Mm. We can learn how to heal. In Latino mental health, we say you are healthier if you're rooted in your traditions, if you're rooted in your language, if you're rooted in your customs, if you're rooted in your food, you are going to never have to suffer anxiety, depression, or mental illness. And if you are, you are willing and accepting of that person if you learn how to be able to be supportive of them. But la cultura cura is rooted in our tradiciones.
So as long as we do that, we're going to be fine. And that's what we have to pass on to the next generations. I want to thank both of you for your time today. We just finished speaking with Ricardo Carrillo and Arturo Carrillo, born and raised in the mission. Thank you so much. The extras of Rama Blueprints podcast are intended to help the listener with a deeper understanding of the people, events, and places that created the Mission District and the series as a whole. Thank you for listening to this extra. And remember, to listen is to heal. All power to the people.